Empire. The NFT barrier for entry is lowered. And that confusion is the biggest barrier to entry in this space for the average consumer. That's Matt Wurst, Chief Marketing Officer of Mint, where creation and collection go hand in hand with the crypto and non-crypto savvy fans. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The tsunami of NFT ideas, creations, and collections have begun. So the market is demanding more and more to help with all of the steps in the process, including the most important one, allowing for fans who don't have crypto wallets or a firm understanding of the blockchain and digital assets a way in. And that's where Matt Wurst and Mint come in. Our guest this week is Matt Wurst. He is the first ever CMO of Mint, which is a company that works with brands to develop and sell digital assets. So let's get into NFTs with Matt Wurst. Hey, Matt, how are you? Hey, Ram. I'm doing well. Nice to talk with you. Thanks for that intro. Yeah, we um, we were talking off air first. Apparently, we've been running in the same circles forever. Sports media, you potentially thought about sports media. Then you got into working with leagues and now with brands and I'm a survivor, stuck it out doing on-air stuff, so we've been kind of circling each other for a long time, Matt. You know, sitting at the intersection, or the <laughs> convergence, yeah. if you will, of media, technology, sports, that's that's where I've been, but I don't know if I'm chasing you, or you're <laughs> chasing me, or we're just dancing around uh, some of these exciting innovations that have taken place in this industry for the last 20 or so years. I think it's it started with, I really, really liked what I do, but now I kind of like what you guys do. So I'm dancing with you guys. I don't know where you are, but that's where I am right now. I like what you guys do. Lead, follow, <laughs> or just get out of the way. Yeah, right? got it. Um, all right, tell me a little bit about Mint. What do you guys do? Yeah, so you've heard about, I think we've all heard about the proliferation of and the emergence of NFTs as a technology, but they're not widely understood yet because they are, and can be a lot of different things depending on who you are or where you sit in this space. Mint can serve a lot of different masters in that we are a white label technology platform that has simplified the building and minting and selling of NFTs as digital assets, as tokens, as keys to unlocking some sort of experience. And we've seen a lot of success in this in a collectibles model to start but now we're beginning to see the next generation of these digital tokens as opportunities to not only own something, but grant access to participation in some type of community that is emerging around these existing brands, teams, leagues, you name it. Cool. So uh, give us some examples. Who are you working with? So I think our most well-known partner is probably the National Basketball Association. You may have heard of them. I interestingly enough, got my start in digital and media tech two decades ago working with the NBA. And they've always been a hotbed for innovation and marketing creativity. Yep. And this is no different as we move from web one to web two to web three. The NBA 
was the first to really go mainstream with NFTs with NBA Top Shot, which is a Dapper partnership. Dapper is a company that has built their own blockchain, believe it or not, and taking clips and player highlights and developing almost a sports trading card model out of that. What we do is similar, except we are doing it in a more, uh, more creatively agnostic way. So we've worked with teams to create gamified membership reward challenge opportunities. So like the Chicago Bulls minted the first NFTs uh, using an e-commerce website uh, with Shopify to sell artistic versions of their six championship rings. Huh. And if you as a Bulls fan collect and hold all six of these rings at different values, right? It could be the diamond edition or the gold edition, but that unlocked experiences. So you might be able to shoot around at a practice or get courtside seats. This week, as NBA All-Star is taking place, and it's really not just a week, but it is a, almost a month-long experience. But for the fans who are in Cleveland, they have an opportunity to purchase the NBA All-Star NFT collectibles, which are replicas of past Ohio-hosted NBA All-Star experiences. Huh. So this is the NBA 75th anniversary. So the court from the 1981 All-Star game or whenever they had, I think they've had a few between Cincinnati and Cleveland. But what's cool about what Mint is doing for the NBA is you can literally walk down the street, see an out-of-home billboard with a QR code to own a piece of history, scan the QR code and purchase an NFT on your phone for $20. You don't need cryptocurrency we have simplified the experience where it's very much a credit card and email address experience, the same way that you would buy a T-shirt or a hat or any other merchandise or memorabilia from the event. And that's where I think the mainstream model of what NFTs can become will lead us. It's not the confusing cryptocurrency, blockchain, what does DeFi, decentralization mean? We're not worried about that. We're here to demystify and simplify how to own a collectible in this new era of Web3 technology. Good. I wanted to talk about that point with you all. Um, we've had people on from Dapper Labs here um, and talking about NBA Top Shot, and we've had others who are on and talk about cryptocurrencies and all of that. And just as a user, right, and someone who's interested in all of this stuff, um, one of the barriers for entry, even for me, who's pretty knowledgeable about what's going on in the space, is that I don't completely understand what's happening with the transaction. Um, and there are also a tremendous amount of fees that are involved with it. And you find that out the hard way. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, why you decided to go in this direction and not what appears to be that all in in this space involves blockchain, cryptocurrency, et cetera? Yeah. So I think it's, it's a great question. And that confusion is the biggest barrier to entry in this space for the average consumer. There are different blockchains, and I think we should start by understanding that the blockchain is just an open, verifiable technology. It's kind of the new version of the internet where you no longer rely on a few key players to have control over everything, right? The Google, Facebook, Amazons of the world, who are still important players, but the blockchain enables us to access and connect in in different ways. Bitcoin is an example of a currency built on a blockchain, but Ethereum, Dapper built Flow. So there are different versions of this, and they require different types of energy to verify transactions and validate them. But 
but that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. So the most popular blockchains where we're seeing NFTs created at the moment, it's Ethereum. And Ethereum is a really lovely, beautiful, elegant technology, but it requires a lot of energy. Working with Dapper's Flow blockchain or Polygon or some of the other, what we call L2, the next generation of blockchains, the eco-friendly opportunity makes it such that anyone can get in. It's simpler to build and create these NFTs and, and transact on them and with them. Where we saw still some confusion is, all right, well, I'm buying cryptocurrency on an exchange. I have to move it into a custodial or non-custodial wallet. I need to make sure I have enough to cover transaction costs. And that can be confusing. I mean, I got scammed early on too. So it happens to the best of us. Don't feel bad. Where we found the opportunity for the most mainstream purchase, sale, transaction opportunity was working with sites like Shopify to build a front-end e-commerce site. And then the Mint technology actually delivers the NFT after the purchase is created. So you don't need the cryptocurrency. You don't need Ethereum. You don't need anything but your credit card to make a purchase. It's the fulfillment of that NFT where the, the proverbial magic happens. And once you have the NFT, an email address, an email is sent to your address, how to claim it, and then you can participate in the experiences and activations that being a holder of that NFT unlocks. You can sell it and hopefully make some money on it if you want. But the long-term opportunities for NFTs are not speculative. They are much more about the experience and the opportunity to participate in these communities. Maybe your NFT unlocks a QR code to get into an event, a party, a game, a concert. That's where I think this is going, and Mint has simplified the experience for, for the consumer and the seller. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code FUTURE, F-U-T-R, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code FUTURE, F-U-T-R, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of this show. Uh, Take me through demand. What is happening on that end? Obviously, there are a lot of new opportunities like this out there. It's been an explosion of it. Um, Talk to me about what you're seeing in terms of just general demand out there for these items. Yeah, so 
there are two ways to look at the NFT space right now. The first is original IP creators who are artistic and yeah. have a lot of talent and have created the board apes and the crypto punks that have found a niche in culture. And now they're providing utility and experience around what being a holder for those, uh, those tokens can unlock. Right. But most of those are not repeatable and scalable beyond what you already see. Maybe a couple new ones will come in here and there that are very different creatively. But that cash grab that a lot of people are trying to replicate is just not going to be successful. Where the, the real long-term opportunities are going to be unlocked are in and with existing IP. So whether it's Star Wars and Disney or the NBA or even now brands like Budweiser and Pepsi, they're beginning to realize that they have a community. They have a place in culture already. And if they can unlock that value exchange between brand and consumer or creator and collector or fan, that's where they're focusing their, their energy. But you have to create something that people want. Right. Just developing something artistic that doesn't mean anything or unlock anything after the excitement of the sale and purchase, that's not going to play long term. So the onus falls back on the marketers and the creatives at these brands and companies or their agencies to define what it is that the fan or collector wants, short term and long term. And once they unlock that on a case-by-case, brand-by-brand, team-by-team basis, that's when the demand will really exponentially increase. Because for now, I do think that there's a lot of experimentation. Some are dipping their toe in the water. They're finding some success with this idea, but not with that idea. And we're learning in the same way that social media platforms 10 and 15 years ago provided creators with an opportunity to establish these connections and create a value exchange. That next that pattern is repeating itself again. And now we just collectively as an ecosystem have to see what works at a macro level and what works at a micro level. Yeah, I, I agree. I think what we hear about, especially in the news, when you, when you hear about this stuff, I think there are various different things happening all at the same time, like board ape and crypto punks. That's an art market. That's not necessarily what we're talking about here. Um, a to B to you is what the, everybody wants people to go to live events to buy something through brands or the team? Like what is B when they get involved with a, with NFTs? So if you think about the NFT as purely a token, a membership card, if you will, that unlocks access to different events, activities, it might just be the opportunity to have a live stream experience with an athlete or a celebrity. It might be the opportunity to, these may be the new stocks in the next generation of corporate America, where instead of these companies who are popping up here and there, going out to venture capital firms to raise money, this might be a fundraising opportunity for new stakeholders and shareholders to have a seat at the table to participate and vote on which direction a company goes, what product innovation they launch. So we're going to see the use case. I mean, we are super, super early. It's probably the top of the first inning when it comes to creative and utility-based applications. I can't even get my head around where and how this is going to look, what it's going to mean in a year. 
but depending on brand by brand, league by league, team by team, each of these vertical industries will create new use cases for how to bring their community in, in a more direct way. What I think is most interesting and probably curious for these well-established companies is Web3 is about decentralized ownership. Is a Procter & Gamble or the NBA or Coca-Cola really going to allow the collector community to own a piece of their company? No. Probably not. (laughs) No. Probably. I don't think so. But that's where the disparities between emerging and nascent startups or challenger brands might push the envelope a little bit and bring new community members into the fold, whether it's actual ownership or whether it's partial ownership or whether it's just participatory ownership. And look, the Green Bay Packers sold stock. I'm making air quotes that no one can see, but they sold stock, which was an ownership token yes. to to the company, right? Yep. To be a part of the Green Bay Packers. But that's not actually a real value in terms of monetary resellable items. Whereas a PSL where that a football team sells, that is resellable. There's value in the long term. That is a token. So understanding what a token means, it doesn't have to be a creative asset. It can be anything of value that the team understands or the league understands or the brand understands and the consumer fan collector understand um I, that's I read what's it. exciting yeah that is exciting and i, I think there's even other opportunities that kind of go beyond sports like with entertainers do music labels get diminished by fan support of entertainers because they on their own can essentially monetize the support and show its value i mean i think there's a lot here that could alter the way we interact with entertainers, artists, athletes, brands, et cetera. I agree with you. Exactly. And think about the file itself. Anything can be an NFT. It can be an image, a video, a piece of music, a 3D rendering. The token itself doesn't matter. It's, again, that gateway into an experience. So if you're Spotify, what does an NFT mean in terms of providing access to the listener? If you're a record label, what does it mean? If you're the artist, is the NFT the connection between and across all of these platforms? Probably at some point. But the NFT itself can be the album cover. It can be a clip from art itself uh, or from the music itself, the song itself. That's where understanding what the unlockable item is that you as a brand or artist or creator have. Maybe it's just discounted merchandise or tickets. It can be that simple. You know, listen, for sports forever, um, they've had inducements to go to games. I used to go to Baltimore Orioles games because of a bucket hat that they gave away. And a lot of people like bobbleheads. And I think this is a modern version of that. Where the line in the sand may come is ownership, like literal ownership, interactivity, connection to the brand, engagement, offerings to the fan base that, you know, you may not have known about because this offers insight to who's actually interacting with you more so than just rudimentary um, ratings. 
and rudimentary data of who your fan base is. I can see all of that. But what that next level is, like, is every sports team going to be publicly owned? I doubt it. You know, long term, I doubt it. It, it, Yeah, I think that's going to be, there'll be some parallel path stories that we see pop up over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Newer companies will raise money or invite users in with that token as a go-to-market strategy to build a community, whereas companies that are established, brands that have an existing fan base, may have a different use case for what those tokens are. Again, it comes down to unlocking a value exchange at an individual level. I, I have an agency background for the last you know, 10 to 15 years, and that playbook for marketers hasn't changed. Who's your audience? What do they want? How does what you're creating fit into the broader marketing and media mix that you've created as an advertiser and a marketer? How do you engage the community to let them know that this thing exists? And what do you do after the fact once they've bought in? And it becomes almost like a positive feedback loop where if you've got the right measurement systems or tools in place and feedback, you'll learn what it is that people want, why they're engaging. And the next time around, as you go back through that cycle again, you're going to make the experience even better. So we're probably working our way through the first cycle of that. But as we advance the ball down the field, we're going to get smarter about how and where we find those holes to bust through. I'm using a lot of different sports metaphors here, but hopefully you, you, uh, you're following. <laughs> I think we should revisit this in six to 12 months. Let's do that, Matt. I'd like to hear where we are because I agree with you. I think this is very early and it's extremely exciting what is happening right now. And what's most interesting about it all right now is that it's ownable by many different parties or stakeholders across the industry. If you're at a team or a league, it might be the digital marketing team. It might be the ticketing. It might be the merchandise and partnerships teams. If you're at a brand, it might be your agency that's creating the roadmap for this. We are a technology platform who are often being asked to come up with a strategy because it's not clear at the brand or team or league or at the agency who should own it yet. And it's a little bit of wild west to figure it out. But as long as we all learn together and share and communicate, the market will tell us what's working and what's not. Because at the end of the day, this is still a marketplace of ideas and tangible. Again, I'm making air quotes because you can't own Oh, you can own an NFT, but you can't display it on your wall. But the marketplace will determine how and where this network effect really catches on. It's really interesting. Matt Wurst is the CMO of Mint. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Brandon. Great to connect. On the next Future Sport Podcast, as the doors have reopened, using sports to support charity has found modern pathways. Um, you know, our platform doesn't support the 50-50 auction, but a lot of people would say, hey, you know, that's great, but you know, only one person wins that. Yeah. So how do we, you know, let more people participate and, and donate to our, our charitable foundation and give them something for it, too? That's Steve Grenius, Vice President and General Manager at GiveSmart, which is a platform helping teams and leagues use technology to help those teams and leagues get their fans to donate more. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast.
I'm Graham Weinstein.